You're highly welcome to the Precious People's Assembly for All Nations podcast, a place where we share God's word and empower you for your assignment in the marketplace, guided by Senior Pastor Sam Otenaki. Now, why don't you sit tight for today's sermon as we dig deep into the word and discover how to be God's representatives wherever we go. That was quite nice, isn't it? Very, very nice. Um, can you give us proof of Philippians chapter 2? Philippians chapter 2. Let's just read before you sit. 1, 2, 3, and 4 verses. Philippians chapter 2. Um, thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you, Debbie, for that's, those gems as you call them. Um, those are the realities of our world today. That's what the world has become. I took note of a few words. I said cancel culture, delete, you know, cut off. Those are the kind of buzzwords that are raining on the social media. Just delete you. Or somebody has just broken your fast. Then you delete the person. You disconnect, you, you know, stuff like that. Um, let's read Philippians 1 and just uh, Philippians chapter 2 and let's see what it has to say. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let's read three and four in Amplified. Let's amplify what the Lord is trying to say to us there through Apostle Paul. It says, do nothing from factional motives through conscientiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of what? Humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself. Pause for a minute. Do you regard others better than yourself? Maybe we are all guilty. Do you regard others better than yourselves? It now amplifies that. That what I mean is think more highly of one another than you do of. Do you think highly of people? Do you? Let's get real. You know, because I had words like jealousy, betrayal, you know. These are very common things. But if these words are dwelling in our heart, you'll be happy when others are doing good. Look at those pictures they showed us when she was dangling around. Hey, engagement ring. Another one was like, even though she was holding a bottle, a glass of wine. was like, oh, okay, now only you. Me, we'll be say I don't do market before yourself. See, look at this look on her face. Say, eh, you again. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Philippians. Think more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. And verse number four. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely your own interest, but also each for the interest of others. Hallelujah. Now look at it this way. Because I can hear some of you saying, Pastor, this one is not real. This is not for real people. This is only for Bible people. Can you imagine if every one of us have this mentality? What do you think will happen? 
How many birds species do we have on earth? What is the population of birds upon the face of the earth? What's the population of a human being now in 2022? Eight billion. About eight billion, right? Do we still have land to take more people? Are new people still being born? Is there space for everybody? So, why should you feel jealous that somebody is making progress when there is enough room for you to make much more progress? Are you connecting? That somebody is being blessed in an area. That is just a tiny area. You also can pick an area and blow in your own area. But it says, let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for, not merely his own interest, but also each for the interest of others. Let this word dwell richly in you. And I pray that God, by his spirit, we quicken friendship in our hearts in Jesus' name. So let's put our hands together for them once again. Thank you for those gems. Please, you may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Um, what I would like to do for the next few half an hour, by the grace of God, is to try and show you, by the grace of God, a few principles that can help us to develop healthy friendship and friendship life, lifestyle. Um, at the root of all of the challenges of friendship is self. Self. In other words, you love yourself more than others. That seems to be a given. People prefer yourself to others. But when you think of that and think that we have God's spirit dwelling on our inside and you see yourself as a child of God, you know, loaded with the spirit of God, then we begin to wonder, what is God's mind and what is or how am I behaving? So I want to submit to you that at the root of our lack of friendship is the absence of the fullness of the essence of God. And we'll look at a few scriptures and just try and navigate and see how God will help us this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go to John chapter 15. John 15. We'll read from verse 12. John chapter 15 from verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I love the way Debbie put it. She said, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Then he made a friend for him. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 13. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. Question. Can you lay down your life for your friend? Can you lay down your life for your friend? Can you? Who is that friend that you will be ready to lay down your life for? I've asked couples before, husband and wife, Say, can you lay down your life for your wife? The answer gotten is better imagined. Can you lay down your life for your husband? But here are the words of Jesus. It says, greater love has no one than this, that 
A man should lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So friendship, laying down one's life. And then God calls it, there is no greater love. I'm making you to realize the place of friendship in God's scheme of things. God expects us to lay down our lives for our friends. That is what true friendship is. Verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But a friend is supposed to, isn't it? But I have called you friends, For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So this talks about confidentiality, isn't it? It says, look, all the things I've heard from my father, I've made them known to you. So I'm no longer going to call you a servant, but I will now call you friend. If you cross-link that to Genesis that Debbie mentioned, so that means there's supposed to be what? Transparency among friends. That means there's supposed to be confidentiality among friends. That means there should be nothing you are hiding from your friend. Glory to God. But we know of girlfriends to girlfriends who have snatched their friends' boyfriends because they know. In the process of being confidential and being truthful and being honest and being transparent with your friend, you share the challenges of your relationship with your friend and your friend goes behind to snatch your boyfriend. Does it happen? Does it happen? So you begin to wonder if somebody is trying to live according to the word of God by being, you know, following the scriptures, what are the repercussions? Okay, praise God. In Isaiah 41, verse number 8, God calls Abraham his friend. He calls Abraham his friend. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. The descendants of Abraham, my friend. In Second Chronicles, chapter twenty, King Jehoshaphat also referred and affirmed these thoughts of God. Second Chronicles twenty. Let's quickly read from verse one. Second Chronicles twenty. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And what happened? Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. They are in Hazazon Tamar. We are going to seven, please. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Hear his prayers. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? So he was invoking the friend of their forefathers, Abraham. He acknowledged that God, 
you called our father, our grandfather, great-grandfather, our patriarch. You called him your friend. Will you not answer us at this time? Hallelujah. But why did God call Abraham his friend? Why did he call him his friend? Another person that was close, we'll treat that in a minute. Another person that was close to mere being called a friend in the scriptures was who? He didn't call David his friend. Moses, God bless you. Let's go to his Exodus 33, verse 11. And he did not expressly call him his friend, but he alluded to it. So the Lord spoke to Moses, how? How? Face to face, as a man speaks to his. And he will return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. This is an allusion. It's not express. It's someone here. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his. Facebook has been existing before. What's his name? Can I have an amen? Glory to God. God has been speaking face to face. He has been using social media long time before all of you. Glory to God. So why did God call Abraham his friend? Please follow me patiently. James chapter 2. Because this is fundamental. I told us, the ch- we read Philippians chapter 2. We saw the way God expects us to treat one another. That's the way God expects us to treat one another as friends. But we know that that is not the present reality. James chapter 2 from verse 14. It's amazing how you will see how faith connects with friendship. James 2 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Hello? Praise the Lord. Can I have an amen? This is a lively congregation. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Can the men say amen? Yeah. Can the ladies and women and sisters say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Please wake up on me. Faith and works. All leaders and pastors should keep their mouth shut and should not participate in this test. Faith and works. Which one is stronger? Which one is more spiritual between faith and works? Which is more spiritual between faith and works? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we do a census. If which one is more spiritual? Is it faith or works? Okay. No wala. If faith is more spiritual, let me see your hand up. I'm testing the spirituality of faith and works. So which is more spiritual, faith or works? If you say faith, can I see your hand up? Please stand up on your feet. Please, there's no need to laugh. We want to learn. We are here to learn and don't pretend. I don't want you to sit on the fence. If you don't know, no, you must know. Is it works or faith? Which is more spiritual? Faith. Amen? Please sit down. God bless you for being truthful. Which one is more spiritual? If you say works, can you stand up on your feet? So there are many of you sitting on the fence. So these are works. So that means we had more people signing up for faith, isn't it? Right? Please sit down. God bless you. Okay. You want to hear the verdict? Let's read on. Just follow. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, 
but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Does it profit the person? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? So faith, if it does not have works, is what? So what is energizing faith? Let's read on. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my... We are reading on. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Does anybody want to know? That's the answer. Faith without works is what? Is dead. What of works without faith? Huh? Can faith on its own exist without works? Can works on its own exist without faith? Hallelujah. Question mark. Think about it. Is it only Christians that have faith? Correct. You don't have a monopoly of faith. Neither do you have a monopoly of works. So do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now look at this classical example. This is where we are going. We are trying to see the reason why God called Abraham his friend. Glory to God. Was not Abraham, our father, justified? How? By works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? It was his works that justified him. Twenty-two. You see, do you see that faith was working together with his what? And by works, faith was made. The English Standard Version says faith was completed. By works. It will take your works to energize your faith. To make your faith perfect. To make your faith complete. Faith was completed by his works. Your faith is standing on one leg. If there is no works. It's a shaky one. You see that faith was active. Along with his works. It's your works that will activate your faith. That gives life to your faith. Verse 23. And verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for what? And it was called. So why was Abraham called a friend of God? Hallelujah. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by only. Glory to God. Let's quickly finish that reading. 25 and 26. In the same way, was not Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works? Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot or prostitute or agaracha justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? 
Can I have an amen? Even an harlot, a prostitute, was justified by her works. You say you have faith. Let's see your work. Let's see what is making you to really say yes, you believe God. You believe God, you have been on the same seat, the same dream you have been carrying for 10 years. You cannot take a step of faith. No works added. And you say, I have faith. I'm a child. I, I'm a believer. I have faith. No, you are deceiving yourself. As the body without the spirit is what? So faith without works is dead also. The body without the spirit is what? We know that you are a spirit who lives in a container called body. When the spirit leaves the body, what happens? It leaves a dead body. So that spirit is equivalent to your works. Your works is what energizes your faith. And that is what qualified Abraham to be called the friend of God. The works of his hands is what qualified God to call him his friend. Hallelujah. Let me try and just wrap up and see where we can tidy this up. Glory to God. Is someone here this morning? Go back to John 15 verses 13 and 14. So I've been able to show you that it's our works that qualifies our friendship. Can I have an amen? It's our works that qualifies our friendship. He that has friends must do what? Show himself friendly by the works that he does. So greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. If you say, oh, you are my friend, you are my friend, and you cannot make a simple sacrifice for me, you're an hypocrite, you're not my friend. We had a transactional friendship. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. That's what faith is. Evidence of things not seen. So faith is tied to your works. And friendship is tied to your works. What you do for others. What you do for the person you call your friend. God so loved the world he gave. God told Abraham, you remember in Genesis 22. says, take your son, your only son. And then... Go to a place that I will show you and offer him a sacrifice. Without complaint, he took his son. He believed God. And when he was about doing the slaughter, an angel shouted and said, Hey, halt it. By this I know. Hallelujah. God knew that he had put action to the instruction that he gave him. Don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I have a few thoughts on benefits of being friend of God here. But let me talk. If I'm able to get there, we'll get there. If not, I will give you the scriptures. What is the main challenge of friendship? And why is it that many shy away from true friendship? Why do many shy away from true friendship? We had some of the reasons. Because of jealousy. Because of cancel culture. And all of those negatives. Jealousy. At the root of it is the fear of being rebuked. Men do not like not to be affirmed. True or false? We always like to be affirmed. Even when you are misbehaving and doing wrong. Hello? Do you know that the person that is always hailing you and say, hey, bro, hey, bro, you are the best. They are the ones you'll be more freer with. There was a picture I saw. Two guys smiling at one another. 
And the other one was holding a dagger. Can you please pull that picture up? I loved it. Right? That's the one we like. The, the guy is smiling. Look at his smile. Look at his two tattoo teeth out. And yet, he had a what? A knife in his hand. But if this guy was squeezing his face, do you know his friend would pull back? Hello? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So at the root of, you know, challenge, one of the major challenges of friendship is the inability to take a rebuke. Inability to feel accepted. Proverbs 7, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than what? Secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are... But this is the kiss that many of us are looking for. We're looking for those that will kiss us always. That will hail us. And say, hey, go on song. We do not want the wounds of a friend. A friend that will tell you, you are wrong. On this matter, you are wrong. And you must accept that you are wrong. You cancel the person. Say, I beg. This one is not in my corner. They are judging me. Thank you. Say, they are judging me. I'm being judgmental. You're always judging me. Ah, blessed are you if you see somebody to judge you faithfully. Blessed are you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Go and ask Jesus about Judas, who betrayed him with a kiss. Can I have an amen? amen? Proverbs 28, verse 23. Proverbs 28, 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards than he who flatters with the tongue. That's afterwards. But in the immediate, what happens? They don't want you in the immediate. They don't even want you in their circle. It's when your eyes have cleared and you are now licking your wounds. The channel of your mind will open. Say, hey, hey, yeah. Nah. Well done. And those you are called friends that were kissing you right and left and center, they will have gone. But it's that one who was wounding you at the time that will be left. It says, afterwards, they find more favor when? Afterwards. Than he who flatters with the tongue. Glory to God. The New Living Translation says, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. But it's always coming too late. The deed has been done. The knife has cut your hand. There's already blood spilled. And I have an amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 5. New Living Translation. It's better to be criticized by a wise than to be praised by a... But that is what many of us want. We want that praise. That praise. Hey, what's up? High five. And you laugh and enjoy yourself. But the person that is criticizing you is judging you. The Bible says it's better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a... Glory to God. I said glory to God. Give it to us in the message, verses 5 and 6. You will get more rebuke from, you get more from the rebuke of a sage than from the song and the dance of fools. The giggles of fools are like the crackling of twigs under the cooking pot and like smoke. May God give you understanding in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you have all around you bootlickers that are always singing your praise and praise singers, you may be heading on a destructive path. When disaster falls, you will never see them. They are fair weather friends and they are not true friends. Glory to God. 
True friends must be able to speak truth into your life and tell you what you don't want to hear. But we call it judgmental. We call it cancel culture. We do all those things. But that's what true friendship is all about. The words of true friends are like wounds. And at times, you know what they do? They deflate your ego. Isn't it? You are feeling so cool with yourself and they come with a dagger. Shoo. Hallelujah. I feel cool that, oh, today was great. Wow. Say, so, uh, uh, But see, you spend one hour, ten minutes. I say, ah, you can't even praise me and say I'm doing well. Say, no, but you said you won't pay more than one hour. You spent 70 minutes. Ah, thank you. Hallelujah. But the voice of men, but he's speaking the mind of many of you. Can I have an amen? Do you get what I'm saying? Glory to God. Proverbs 9, 7 to 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 to 9. Let's read the New Living Translation. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get what in return? Anyone who corrects the wicked will get? So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise, what will happen? They will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be even... Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Glory to God. Can I have a big amen? But you know what the psalmist likens rebuke to? He likens rebuke to the anointing. How many of you want the anointing? You want the anointing? The psalmist likened rebuke to an anointing. Psalm 141. Psalm 141. Verse 5. Let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be as what? Excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. But still, my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. May your head not refuse righteous rebuke. Because it can save your soul. Can save your marriage. Can save your career. Just let my head not refuse it. it. Shall be as excellent oil. Glory to God. And we refuse righteous rebuke the devil may be at work because he wants you to head for destruction the Yorubas have a saying the dog that will get lost will not hear the whistle of the hunter but the devil not cause you to resist the anointing of rebuke I said may the devil not cause you to resist the anointing of rebuke in the name of Jesus. As I summarize this morning, please take note that friendship is the highest level of relationship under God. Friendship is the highest level of relationship under God. Is the highest. It is the affirmation of God upon one who lives a life of faith. For God to call you a friend is God affirming that you are living a life of faith. We saw that in James chapter 2 that we read. It's the affirmation of God upon one who lives a life of faith. It is the highest level of relationship under God. So that greater love has no more than this. That a man should lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. Number two. As we round up this morning before we pray. In summary. Relationship. The first one I said. Friendship is the highest level of relationship under heaven. Number two. Relationship is the currency of the spirit. 
Relationship is the currency of the spirit. And healthy relationships, therefore, are tremendous sources of spiritual currency. When you have healthy relationships, healthy friendships, they are tremendous sources of spiritual currency. Glory to God. Currency is what we spend. Relationship is the currency of the spirit. And healthy friendship are tremendous sources of spiritual currency. Let me break it down as we round up this morning. When God called Abraham his friend, there were several things that happened. We showed you the prayer of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. He was tapping into the currency of the spirit that was in Abraham, the patriarch of faith account. For God to answer his prayers. Can I have an amen? Do you understand? He says, God, you are the one who called Abraham, our patriarch, your friend. Therefore, answer us in this situation we are in. He was drawing upon the currency that Abraham had accumulated due to his being a friend of God. How many of you have had your parents' name or deeds you know, bringing goodwill into your life. Because relationship is the currency of the spirit. In Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land. And Isaac was going to go down to Egypt like his father did. God had to come stop him in his track. He says, don't go down to Egypt. Remain where you are in this land. You will sow in this land and you begin to be prosperous. Why? Because your father, my friend Abraham obeyed me. Genesis 26. Just give me verse 4 and 5. From verse 3. Genesis 26, 3 to 5. So John in this land, and I will be with you, I will bless you, for to you and your offspring, I will give all of these lands, I will perform the oath I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all of this land and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because Abraham obeyed my voice. He kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Can I have an amen? He was drawing upon the currency that his father had acquired with God due to their friendship. Currency, relationship is the currency of the spirit. And healthy friendship is a tremendous source of spiritual currency. Shout hallelujah. There's another example in David and Jonathan. You can see their story in 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 to 5. They developed close bond of friendship but what was the fallout of that friendship? Because of our time, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. When David was being chased by Jonathan's father, Saul, Jonathan was there for his friend, David. He protected him, ensured that his father did not kill this young man and helping him to preserve his destiny. When eventually, 40 years, how many years after? 17, 18 years after, that David became a king. Second Samuel chapter 9. He said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Quickly, quickly, because of our time. Verse 2. Verse number 2. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, David said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service, sir. Pension, sir. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. 
where there is no pasture. Lodima means a place where there is nothing, no pasture, a dry place, a wilderness. Then King David sent and brought him out of his wilderness from Lodibar to where? And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, he answered, here is your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. For whose sake? Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall continually eat bread at my table. Verse 8. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Hmm, hallelujah. He was a man who was amputated. You can read his story in 2 Samuel chapter 4. A nurse smuggled him out when, you know, his father's house was under siege and he fell down and he broke his two legs as a baby. But he was hidden. And he went, he was residing in a, with a man in a place called No Pasture. He had written off himself. But look at how the spiritual currency that his father Jonathan amassed due to his friendship with David. He was in a position of authority. He was the king's son. David was a shepherd boy. And because of that friendship, what happened? Look at his paying back years after. Relationship is the currency of the spirit. And healthy friendship will amount to a great, a tremendous source of spiritual currency. Think about it yourself, where you are. Who got to the job that you are currently doing? A friend of your father, a friend of your uncle, a friend somewhere, somebody somewhere connected you, or you saw an advert, a friend in church showed you, oh, there's this advert, why don't you apply? And before you knew it, you got that job. Before you knew it, you got that admission. Relationship is the currency of the spirits. And healthy friendship could be a source of tremendous spiritual currency. Can I have an amen? Friends, let's make up our minds to be good friends. Let's develop friendship. How can you cultivate friendship? I'm not able to go to the benefits of friendship, but write down Isaiah 41, verses 8 to 17. And please study it at home. But let me close this morning. How can you cultivate friendship? Friends, listen to me. You must first accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When he came to die for us on the cross, one of the things he came to do was to create a pathway so that we can become friends of God. Can I have an amen? So that we can become friends of God. Romans chapter 5, because of our precious time, let's read from verse 8 to 11. We must cultivate, to cultivate friendship, you must accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God, give it to me in the New Living Translation. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Think of that alone. You are a sinner. You are not worthy of anything before God. And God sent his only begotten son to die for you. What an act. What an extension of the right hand of fellowship. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, it will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Can I have an amen? For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Hallelujah. Verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. Hallelujah. He has made us friends of God. When you truly accept Christ, it will be easy for you to make friends. Can I have an amen? When you truly 
recognize that the embodiment of the Godhead is living in you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your heart will be open to cultivate genuine friendship. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. So if you are going to cultivate friendship, examine your salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, let each man, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, let's examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, technology. Let's examine ourselves, whether we are still in the faith. We must examine yourselves to see if your faith is what? Genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Christ Jesus is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. If you are not able to make friends, if you are not friendly, please test the genuineness of your faith. Shout hallelujah. Let's test it. Last but not the least, become interested in other people instead of trying to get them interested in you. He that has friends must show himself friendly. Let's rise up on our feet this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are still many other things. That's why I'm cutting it short in righteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Why don't you think about it? Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Just examine yourself. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. Why am I not friendly? Why? Oh, you have been stabbed many times. You will still be stabbed for all you care. But if Christ is within you, he has created a pathway for you to be friendly. He has created a pathway for you to be friendly, for men to love you, for women to love you. So you must test your faith. Examine yourselves whether your faith is genuine. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we are grateful to you. Blessed be your holy name. We worship your majesty. Thank you for the privilege you have given us. Thank you for the opportunity you have given us. Thank you, Lord, in this Friendship Sunday for the grace you have given us to examine the level of our friendship and to know that the place to start is to first examine our faith, whether it is still genuine. Yes, you called our patriarch of faith, Abraham, your friend, because he put works to his faith. He activated his faith by his works. Therefore, he became your friend. Help us on this journey of faith. Help us so that our faith will be genuine, so that we will add works to our faith, so that we look after the interests of others and not just our own selves. Help us to look out for men, to look out for women, to look out for those not saved around us and to pour out your love into them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And the people of God say, let's put our hands together for Jesus. And we have come to the end of yet another intriguing session of the PPA Fan Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has touched your heart and inspired you to be a light in your marketplace. So, in order to stay connected and access more empowering content, kindly visit our website at ppafan.org. And always remember, you are a citizen of heaven and God's ambassador here on earth. May God's love and grace guide you in all your endeavors. Until next time, goodbye and God bless.